Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. But today we are talking about actually one of my favorite Bible characters. But before we get there, let's pray. Lord, we just invite you into this moment right now, wherever we may be, whenever we're watching this, Lord God, we pray that you would come and you'd speak into our hearts, enlivening them to the things of the Spirit again, Lord God. Stir us, breathe fresh faith into our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we launch into this last of our summer series, haven't they been awesome these last few weeks? I wanted to talk about this great character within the Bible. And uh, he's a man who uh, saw a real uh, area of brokenness uh, within his world and was really compelled to do something about it. Uh, and I love the sort of the mix of the compassion and practicality uh, that this guy has. And I, I love that he was able to do what he could do, but he also called others into the mix to help as well. Any guesses who it is? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Shortest guy in the Bible. Nehemiah. Sorry. Very poor. Couldn't resist. But Nehemiah. The, the reason why I was keen to have a little look at the life of Nehemiah is that we may not have the same sort of brokenness that he had around him, but Man, we've got some brokenness around us at the moment. You may well recognize some brokenness within your own life or not need to look far to see brokenness within others in the society, in the community around you. For those who are unfamiliar, uh, Nehemiah, so he has a book in the Old Testament. Uh, it's named after him, lived about 450 B.C., and uh, within the book of the Bible in the Old Testament, so this is the time before Jesus, there's a couple of books in a row here. Ezra is right before it and then Nehemiah. And they think that it was really written as one you know, singular piece. And so in the book of Ezra, what we see is we see the, the reestablishing, the rebuilding uh, of the temple within Jerusalem. And it's a whole story in itself, which we won't get into here. But then when Nehemiah enters into the scene, that's the situation that, that he is presented with. And in fact, early on in the book of Nehemiah, his brother and some others come to see him. And Nehemiah asks, you know, what's the state of Jerusalem? Now, Nehemiah, just before I read some text here, Nehemiah, he's the cupbearer to the king. Uh, not exactly sure how exactly you become a cupbearer to the king, but one of the main jobs of the cupbearer is to try the wine before the king does. Sounds like a pretty good job, eh? Um, of course, not so much if the wine is poisoned, which is the reason why you are having it first. <laughs> but one of the opportunities that it does in being a cupbearer to the king is it, 
is it lends itself to building a relationship because you're in close proximity on a regular basis to the king. And so Nehemiah has this opportunity. He is cupbearer to the king. He's built relationship with him. His brothers come and give a report of what's going on back in Jerusalem. This is their response. Nehemiah 1 and verse 3. They said to me, talking to Nehemiah, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Then Nehemiah's response. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, he is heartbroken to hear of the state of Jerusalem and the, the wall around the city. But what is it that he can do about it? Then about four months later, as we continue to read within, within Nehemiah, he's in the king's presence, says this, Nehemiah 2 and verse 1, In the month of Nisan, which is November, December, around that time, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it? you want. Then I prayed. I love within the story just that little context and the flow of this conversation, this interaction with the king. Nehemiah just takes a moment to steal himself, take a breath to pray. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. You know, it took incredible courage for Nehemiah to respond in this way because of what the king could have decided to do with him speaking like this. But then the king, he gives him permission to go. It's a real surprise. He gives him permission to go. He eventually travels to Jerusalem then one night he takes a few others and he goes and explores and inspects the wall. And as expected, he finds it in ruins and it moves him. So he says to those with him in Nehemiah 2 verse 17, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. There is this response from the people to join in and to 
join the process of rebuilding. And as you, as you keep moving through the story after making the decision to do this, then many of the enemies in the surrounding areas you know, get whiff of, of what they're doing and kick up a fuss. They, they try and cause real discouragement. Uh, the threats of attacks come. Ever had that experience? You know, when you start to make real progress in an area, start to sort of rebuild something, maybe start a new habit. You know, here we are launching into 2022. You've got these new things in your mind that you want to, and then something comes along and just causes discouragement or pegs you back a few steps. But Nehemiah, he wouldn't have a bar of it. He had this, this steely determination to continue on with what he had sensed God place in his heart and what he was there to do. In fact, and it gets to the point uh, in Nehemiah 4 where those who are working on the wall have a weapon in one hand uh, and their tools in the other. They continue the work but are very mindful of the threat that they have from those around them. And then eventually we see that the wall is completed in Nehemiah 6 and verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul, apparently is October 2nd, in 52 days, actually pretty fast. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. The, a completion of an incredible thing and actually something that forms a really crucial and important part of the story of the Israelites. Now, there's a whole lot more to the story that we don't uh, have time to be able to go into here and now, but as I've been reflecting on this story again, and the time that we are in right now, I just sort of had this uh, phrase rattling around in my heart, faith for the rebuild, faith for the rebuild. There's, there's lots that we can learn from the life of Nehemiah, but overarching all of his life is this idea that he had faith for the rebuild. Now, we may not have such a concrete, excuse the pun, example of a, broken, a brokenness within our lives, not such kind of black and white of what needs to happen, the, the rebuilding uh, of uh, a city, a country, the globe after a pandemic is not quite so simple perhaps. But I want to encourage you and I sense that God wants to encourage us all today with this idea of having faith for the rebuild. Even within your own life, you may recognize that there are some broken bits, some bits that need rebuilding. Rebuilding hope, peace, uh, unity. In some cases, it's, it's, it's livelihood. Maybe it's in the lives of the people around you where you can see the need of rebuilding. Maybe it's just simply in healthy routines or it's in meaningful relationships with others that need to be rebuilt in some way. Whatever that area may be, I sense God's encouragement for us to have faith for the rebuild.
And even as we reflect today in Waitangi Day, the journey that our nation in New Zealand has been on in terms of the rebuild that's gone on within cultures. It's important for us. It's an important part of our story and our journey and our future. And as I say, there is so much that we can learn about the life or through the life of Nehemiah. But really today, I just want to, apart from this overarching idea of him having faith for the rebuild, I, I want to just encourage you with, with two particular elements that we can learn lessons from Nehemiah. A man who saw a city that was broken and decided with God's help to do something about it. One thing is that he was compelled by compassion. Compelled by compassion. He, he saw the brokenness. He, he saw the pain that it was causing people. He felt it. Uh, Andy Stanley, who's a, a, a well-known pastor in the States, says when Nehemiah's heart was broken, he paid attention to his broken heart. It's, it's simple, isn't it? But it's important. So, and, and in fact, it can be really easy, especially in a time of conflict and uncertainty, a time when and decisions are being made that are outside of our control. It's, it's easy for us to, to lose the compassion for others. It's easy for us to not be so aware of the brokenness that we see within our own lives or in the lives of those around us. And so it's, it's important for us, you know, to do the work of remaining soft-hearted towards others, of being compassionate towards the need of others. You know, we see it in the life of Christ so often, don't we? You know, where, where he was moved by compassion and he healed someone. Or he's, he was moved by compassion and he brings healing and freedom uh, to an individual. And as we think about the start to rebuilding aspects around us, let's be a people who would also be compelled by the brokenness, compelled by compassion, Nehemiah was compelled by compassion. We also are reminded through the life of Nehemiah that things often get messy before they get better. <laughs> Ever found that? For Nehemiah, there was this significant resistance that came. You know, they made this progress. They started this great plan. And then all of a sudden, the surrounding uh, people came in and they tried to cause discouragement, get Nehemiah and the people off track. Uh, something that's been occupying, occupying quite a bit of my uh, spare time at the moment has been some small kind of renovations and redecorating uh, that we've been doing at home at the moment. And... I don't know if you've ever done that yourself or you've uh, lived in a home where that's taking place, but man, it gets messy, doesn't it? It's all going well and, you know, it's starting to come together. Uh, but boy, oh boy, you've got dust going everywhere. You've got things that have been moved around. You've got clutter because you've cleared one room and you're trying to work on that room. Of course, all the gear from that room needs to go somewhere. So it fills up another room. It just gets messy before it gets 
better. Now, I know it's not a wall of Jerusalem and it's not rebuilding after a global pandemic. <laughs> but I think the principle is still there. And as we see in the story of Nehemiah, you know, here we are looking down the barrel of uh, things getting messier before they get better. We've got a, a long way to go. We've got this Omicron thing variant uh, of COVID-19 that's heading our way pretty quick by the looks. It's highly likely that things are going to get messier before they get better. But yet God's encouragement to us to have faith for the rebuild, to see the long term, to see the big picture of what's beyond it. Let's not lose heart in the journey. For Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem, things got messy before they got better. He was compelled by compassion and things got messier before they got better. But through it all, he maintained his faith for the rebuild. And really, that's just my simple encouragement to us uh, today to allow God to breathe fresh faith for the rebuild into your life, into my life. You know, maybe for you, there really is some very real pain, an area of brokenness or an area that needs rebuilding. Would you take a moment to invite God in to helping you with that rebuild. Maybe there are some others that you could invite in as well. If we as a church can, can help at all within that journey, please reach out to us. We would, we would love to be able to help where we can. We're well aware that life is messy sometimes. And at a very practical level, this home gatherings thing that we're starting next week is is a way for us to help to rebuild as a church we recognize that within our own community that there is a need of rebuilding and we would love to invite you in on that journey to be part of that rebuilding process of forming a real authentic community with those around you in a moment as we've been doing uh, over the last a couple of months there's going to be uh, a reflection uh, slide with some questions to ponder that will come up uh, just in a moment and and they're really just there to stir you to uh, to invite God in to ask God what it is that he might be speaking to you about when it comes to the things that we're talking about and today specifically in this area of rebuilding within our lives and I want to encourage you to do that give space for the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. Hey, it's been awesome to be with you today. Let me just pray and then I'll leave you to it. Father, we thank you for the ability that you have to rebuild areas of our lives. And whether it be on a, a personal level, a neighborhood level, a community level, a national level, a global level, Lord God, nothing is too difficult for you. And so we pray, Father, that you would breathe your spirit into our hearts and lives. Breathe fresh faith to us, Lord, to have faith for the rebuilding that you want to do in and through us, Lord. 
So we say, come Holy Spirit, speak to us, lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you again soon. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or, of course, we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.